Titus chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. Uh, we've got some, uh, we've, I'm going to finish this up today. We've been talking about a series called Foolish because there's so much foolishness in the world. There's so much foolishness in America, in Sacramento. Come on, somebody. In South Sacramento. Come on. At Target. Yeah, come on. I know I always pick on Walmart, but Target has it too. Wherever you go, there is foolishness around. And there's also foolishness in the church. So we've taken some time, to, and I hope these messages have helped you to discern and decipher that we're supposed to live by wisdom and not foolishness. Because God will still love you if you're a fool. Your life will just suck. Oh, you could tweet that right there. Oh, man, you're going to get me in trouble. Listen, God will still love you if you're a fool. You just won't bear any fruit. You'll stay broke. Your relationships will be jacked up. Your kids will probably not like you. And good luck on your marriage being a fool. But see, when you decide to live by wisdom, that's when we begin to let our light shine. And that's where we begin to see the blessing of having God as our father in our lives. And so we've been talking about that. And I want to uh, talk about this here from Titus chapter 3, verse 8, as we wrap up this series. It says this, this is a faithful saying. And these sayings I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Everybody say good works. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for works, okay? So he said, if you believe in God, you should be careful to maintain good works. Now, these things are good and profitable to men. But here it is. But avoid foolish. Everybody say foolish. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law. For they are unprofitable and useless, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Okay, now let's go. I want to read that same scripture to you in the Message Bible, which the Message Bible is just kind of a modern-day translation to help break it down in everyday language. Uh, Listen to this. It says, I wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn and dupes of sin ordered every which way by our glands, hello, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously that God's gift restored our relationships with him and gave us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on this. And I want you to put your foot down. Here it is. Take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Stay away from mindless, pointless quarreling over genealogies and fine print in the law code. That gets you nowhere. Warn a quarrelsome person person once or twice, but then be done with them. It's obvious that such a person is out of line, rebellious against God, by persisting in divisiveness 
He cuts himself off. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that your word has the power to alter our destiny. Your word has the power to change. Your word has the power to bring life and the ability, Lord God, to to, to cause us to leave here never the same again. We open up our hearts and our minds to the word. And we ask, Lord God, that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're told here to avoid foolish disputes quarrels, fights, strivings. And he says here, they're unprofitable and useless. But I like what it says in the Message Bible there. Somebody that does this is always given to divisiveness. It's obvious that such a person is out of line and rebellious with God. Guys, this is something that we've got to deal with in the hearts of man, and that is rebelliousness against God. And how do you know when you're about rebellious against God? Well, you're rebellious against people. Any act of rebellion, any, any characteristic of just being rebellious, uh, is, it, it translates all the way. There's no such thing as, well, I'm rebellious against my boss, but not God. There's no such thing as, oh, well, I'm rebellious against my church, but not God. No, there's no such thing as, well, I'm rebellious against my husband, but not God. No, if you're rebellious, you're rebellious against God. If you're rebellious in your life, God takes it as you being rebellious against him. And the Bible warns us, hey, get away from useless folks like that. They're, They're unprofitable. It's not going to do you any good. And I like what it says in that in verse 11 there. He says, By, such a person is out of line, rebellious against God. And before that, he says, what gets you to warn a quarrelsome person, person once or twice, but then be done with them. And there are so many foolish people that like to cause fights. They like to cause division. They like to point things out to other people to get people on their side so that this people can rise up against that people. And and, and they like to cause division. And and he tells us here, listen, warn them once, twice, and after that, be done with them. Be done with them. See, we don't like to hear things like that. We we like the nice. We want to be nice all the time. How many know sometimes you can't be nice? But y'all know that? Sometimes you can't be nice. Mama, you know you can't be nice when they're messing with your baby. That's when Mama Bear comes out, right? Sometimes you cannot be nice. And here's one time where the leaders of the church, Paul told Titus, don't be nice in this area. Warn them once, warn them twice, and be done with them. And then it says this, it's obvious such a person's out of line, rebellious against God. By persisting in divisiveness, he cuts himself off. He cuts himself off. In other words, it's this. We would be friends, but you cut yourself out of my life. You did this. No, you're the one. You're not coming. No, you did this because you're divisive, because you're somebody that brings division. And there's going to be times as you walk with God, you've got to take a stand against this type of thing. Why? Because the reason why Paul deals with this so strongly Division in people's lives and in families and in businesses and in companies is because this divisiveness will cause separation from the thing that God has called you to be a part of. Are you with me today? And you need to know this. Being a part of something is a blessing. Everybody wants to be a part of something. Why do you think 
that sports are so popular nowadays. Can I tell you why? It's not because games are just awesome. It's because people want to belong to something. So when you go to a sporting event, everybody there isn't just football fans, if it's a football game. Sometimes the driving force to people going and being a part of sporting things is because they feel a part of something. Maybe they've grown up and they were always the, you know, the, the outcast. They never felt, felt a part of anything. They never felt included in anything. Sometimes being a, a sports fan or, 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 a, or a fan of a TV show or something like that caused them to feel included in something. People, we all have that desire to be a part of something. But here's where wisdom comes in. We have to be able to discern the thing that God wants us to be a part of and the thing our flesh wants us to be a part of. Because you got, you got two things pulling at you. Some of you, your flesh wants to be a part of the party crown. Ah, oh, come on, smile at me now. I know, that's where your struggle comes from. Because you know if I serve God, I'm going to lose all them friends. And the thing I was a part of, I'll have no more. Just smile at me. I know I'm talking to you. But see, on the other hand, God's saying, listen, I'm not going to leave you lonely. I'm going to put you in the thing that I've called you to be a part of. And God does that. Guess what the enemy wants to do? He wants to come in and bring divisiveness, separation, so that you cut yourself off. And this is what happens many times in a marriage. This is how many people lose their jobs. This is how people uh, lose divine covenant relationships with people. They cut themselves off. You know what psychologists call this? They call that self-sabotage. That every time you find a good woman or a good man, you got to go ahead and jack it all up. Every time you find a good job, you got to do something to mess it all up. Every time you find a good church, you got to do something to mess it all up. But guess what? You'll leave the thing blaming the other people. Well, you know, my first wife was this, that, and this, and that, and this, and everything. And, you know, I'm just so glad to be out of it. Well, why'd you marry her? See, we want to talk about what's wrong with them. We don't want to talk about how maybe how ignorant and foolish you were to marry her. And maybe the reason that marriage didn't work is because you was a fool. But nobody ever says that about their ex. Can I get a good, strong amen? They always look at that last relationship, and they go, oh, yeah, they were so terrible. Well, what about you? I'd love to hear a mature person go, yeah, you know what? My first marriage fell apart, and a big part of that was because of the person I was. You don't hear that much. You don't hear that much. You hear people all the time, well, I don't go to that church no more because that preacher and those people and those hypocrites and those things. But what about you? How long did you go there? Oh, I was there 10 years. Took you 10 years to learn them fools wasn't good people? What were you? Thank you, my brother. Help me preach over there, Nate Dog. What were you? You was there. You chose to go there every Sunday. We don't ever hear people say, I used to go to this church, but you know what? My mind wasn't right when I was there. And I sabotaged a lot of good people. Didn't listen to nobody. So I just need a fresh start. That's why I'm here. I'd love to hear that from somebody. But we don't ever get there. We get blame, 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 blame. And you know why that is? Because that's how fools talk. See, fools 
will self-sabotage their relationships and it's everybody else's fault. But what Titus says here is they cut themselves off because of divisiveness, because of arguing, quarrelsome people, you know, uh, rebellious against God. And people, listen, if you're going to walk in the wisdom of God, you got to get away from that. Because the one thing that you've got to understand to say to stay fresh and flourishing and growing, you got to be connected to something. You got to be connected to something. And there's this internal thing inside of everybody that knows that. The problem is without wisdom, we can't discern the good and the bad. And so we just connect to anything. And this is why young girls will connect to a dude that's a loser. And his family's losers. And his neighborhood's losers. But she'll connect. And she'll be at all the, 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 the parties and the family reunions with all them because she's got to connect to something. We all have that desire to connect to something. But remember, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to discern right and wrong, good and bad, the God thing and the not God thing. We need wisdom. Without wisdom, we become fools. We do what fools do. And fools will, because there's this internal thing to connect, they'll connect to the wrong thing. Connect to the wrong thing. We want to connect to the right thing. But if you connect to the right thing, guess the, the enemy's going to come and try to get you to disconnect from it. And one way that he does that, the Bible just told us there, is through disputes, strivings, all these quarrels and different things like that. But let me tell you something. I want to drop this on you today. And that is this. The secret to a great life in God is found in the new wine. Found in the new wine of the, of the, of the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And let me prove it to you right here in Acts chapter 2, 16 through, or 6 through 16. What is the new wine? Well, the new wine is the flow of the Spirit of God. Remember, it's the flow that brings life. It's just like in water. What makes water drinkable? Water that's flowing. When you're out, and if you're out in the wilderness, or you're out there with Survivor Man or Bear Grylls or something like that, you watch any of those survival shows, they will tell you, always drink of the water that is flowing. Do not drink from the stagnant water that is not flowing. Because it can take something that's supposed to be life-giving and it can be and it can cause it to be deadly. What gives the flow of the, what gives the spirit life is its flow. We have to be connected to a flow. This is why Jesus, when he left, says, Hey, don't worry, I'm leaving, but I'm sending my spirit and I'm sending this thing called the church. And when you get saved, he puts you in the church. Why? Because the flow exists in the church. It's supposed to anyways. The flow is here. Uh, That's the life of God. So look at Acts chapter 2 here. It says this, And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everybody heard them speak in their own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phygera, uh, Pamphyla, Egypt, and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, ah, they are full 
of new wine. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it was only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And what is he saying there? He says, this is not new wine like you know new wine to be. This is the new wine of the Spirit. And then what we're witnessing there is the birth of the church. The description that the world gave the, uh, the birth of the church was that people were walking around hyped up on new wine. Isn't that interesting? See, but the new wine, what they were actually doing, God was using the foolish things of, uh, of, of that age, these people that were ungodly, to prophesy. They called it out, and they said, these guys are full of new wine, and they were right. But it was the new wine of the Spirit. Let me prove it to you. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. Jesus is talking about uh, uh, new wine here. He says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. And he goes on to say, what am I talking about? The Spirit of God. See, most believers want the new wine. Amen? How many know we're supposed to desire the new wine? If you don't want the new wine, well, you ain't going to make it. Because Christianity can get dry and boring. Oh, come on, somebody. You need a, you need a, you need a wake-up call. If you're in this thing for the religion of it, it's going to get dry and boring. And you know it. That's why some of you stopped going before, because your spirit life dried up. And it just became going to church, standing up, raising my hands, throwing money in there, and being home alone on Friday nights while all your friends were out drinking. So you lasted maybe six months, and then you said, oh, forget this. I need to go to the club to get some of their wine, because you didn't get the new wine. Are you tracking with me today? See, you better wake up to this because, see, you might be okay drinking no wine, but you want to reach your cousin who's in the club right now. You want to reach your son right now who just is weeding up in the backyard last night and smoking weed and getting all messed up. And you're trying to tell him, come to church, come to Jesus, be a part of us. And he's looking at you and going, but you ain't got no wine. See, we don't know that you living dead affects more people than just you. See, you may be good with just being a dead, dry Christian, but the problem with that is you are misrepresenting God. And the people that really need him will never find them because they look at you and they don't see no fresh wine. They see dead, dry, boring, ugly. Oh, come on, somebody. See, and see we, 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 we don't care about them. We don't care about them. This is good enough for us. It ain't good enough for me. And it shouldn't be good enough for you. As long as you got cousins, tias, tios, friends, homies, whatever you want to call them, and you sitting there and they're dying. I don't know about your friends, but my friends are dying. I lost a cousin over a year and a half ago to drugs and alcohol. I had another high school friend died a couple months ago. Many of you knew him, Loopy. Loopy Guzman, he just lived over here, died, not even 50 years old yet. My, my old friends are dying. I don't know about yours. You give it time. But you know what? I don't want to be somebody that can't reach him. 
Because when I tell them to come to our church, they come in here and they don't taste no new wine. That's why I got on you today. Because you know what was happening? We was out of wine today. Some of y'all come. He loves us. No, no, no. That's your grandma's church. That ain't here. That's Mount Moriah or something like that. I don't know, whatever. That's St. Andrews or whatever. I don't know, whatever that was. That ain't here. See, we've got to be a place where the new wine flows. And see, here's the mistake. You think it's up to me to bring the new wine. But the last time I read the Bible, the new wine is in you. There's more of you than me. So what we got to get going in this place is we got to get new wine in you flowing out. And it don't flow when you're just coming in here like, he loves, not even, not even singing. Some of y'all don't even fake it or good. I feel bad for these folks up here sometimes. I really, you all don't know how hard it is up here. They're singing and moving and Come on, everybody, lift your hands. I'm waiting for Christine and Ariel to get all Kanye on you guys and just go on a Kanye West rant up in here. Y'all don't love Jesus. Y'all, I'm just waiting for it. I'm just waiting for it. But what is that? No wine. No wine. So you want to come and tell me, oh, pastor, pray for my nephew. He's on drugs. He's in a gang. His court date is next week. Can we just pray for him? I'm trying to reach him, but he ain't listening. He ain't trying to hear it. You know why? Because you ain't got no wine. Because when when he looks at you, he don't see the life of God. You're just as stressed as people in his world. You're just as fake as everybody else. So what do we need to do? We got to get us some wine. Tell your neighbor, let's go get some wine. I can see thought bubbles going up everywhere. (laughs) Somebody going, no, I'm serious. Seriously. Choice is open, right? Cheers liquors right over there. Cheers. (laughs) But that's not the wine we're talking about. Somebody said, that's the wine I'm talking about. (laughs) Listen, the wine that we're talking about is the spirit of God. But here's the thing. The wine is only found in the cluster. Let me prove it to you here. Isaiah 65, verse 8. We need the new wine, the freshness, the flow, the life Think about the difference between wine and water. Water keeps you alive, but wine makes life good. Oh, you didn't catch that. Water will keep you alive, but, but wine? Come on, somebody. Wine changes everything. Look what it says here. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all. What is he saying here? What is God trying to tell us here? He's trying to tell us you want the new wine? It's found in the cluster. It's found in the cluster. What is the cluster? The gathering place. The gathering place. 
This should be the place where the winos hang out. We got to have wine in the cluster. We got to have wine in the cluster. Now, here's the interesting thing about what Isaiah is saying here. Wine is not produced on your own. It's in the cluster. Well, I do my devos every day. That's good, but that's not where you get the wine. You get presence, you get intimacy, you get a lot of great things there. But what I'm seeing in the word of God is the wine that we're supposed to have comes from the gathering. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. When did the new wine fall for the first time? When the people were gathered together in his name. That's when the wine fell. The new wine is found in the cluster. Tell your neighbor the new wine is found in the cluster. So what does it say here? It says this, do not destroy it. Don't destroy it. Don't destroy the place that the wine that you need comes from. Are you tracking with me today? See, you've got to catch this today because I don't think you have the heart that I have for the church. And that's a problem. And you might say, oh, well, you got that heart because, you know, you're the pastor. You're supposed to know. I have the heart for it because I know where the wine comes from. And we got too many Christians just ignorant as all get up. Let's just say it like this. So many Christians just dumb. Tell your neighbor, don't be dumb. Well, no, say it like you're disgusted. Don't be dumb. Now, listen, listen here. If this is where the wine comes from, the church, the local church, shouldn't I be protecting it rather than destroying it? And this is why Titus, this is why Paul dealt so strong with Titus. He said, don't be foolish. When you come across somebody that's bringing division, that is quarrelsome, that wants to gossip, that wants to spread this and that to divide the cluster, tell them to shut up once, tell them to shut up twice. After that, be done with them. Why? Because the new wine is found in the cluster. And if you're going to mess with the cluster, you're messing with my wine, baby. And a wino needs his wine. Come on. Let me take you back to the party days. Hopefully you don't backslide because I'm talking about this right now. But what were your party days like if they took away the wine? Uh, Pastor, my drink wasn't wine. It was beer. You get the picture. You know what I'm saying. Stay with me. The issue is this. We got to have that wine. Some of y'all's problem, you ain't got no wine. You got word. You got word. But word can't do what wine can do. Now, let me just say this. We need word. Don't leave here thinking, oh, oh, he's saying we don't need word. No, no, no. I'm saying you need word. But guess what you need with that word? Some wine. Word and spirit cause you to grow up. All word, no spirit cause you to dry up. All spirit, no word cause you to just flake up, blow up. You'd be weird. I feel the spirit. Get some word in you before you start vibrating around this church. Get some word in you. Know how to handle the anointing. You know, how many of you saw some weird stuff in church when you was growing up? I know I did. Folks running into furniture in the name of the Holy Ghost. People running with their eyes closed. Open your eyes, dude. 
God's not going to get mad at you. God is not Amityville whore. He don't possess bodies and make you run around. Read the Bible. So when you have wine without word, you're going to have a problem. But if you have both, you grow strong. And here's the issue. Where does the wine come from? It comes from the cluster. We have so many people emphasizing, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Yeah, but are you connected to the cluster? And are you building or are you destroying the cluster? And there's some of us in this room, you don't even know, but you're not, you're not, you're destroying the cluster. How do we destroy the cluster? By being anti, by being against. Let me, let me read you a scripture here in Psalms 122. I'm almost done. Are y'all getting something today? It says this, one, Psalms 122, 1 through 9. David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord, for thrones are set there for judgment. The thrones of the house of David, Pray for the peace of the Jerusalem. Now listen to this. May they prosper who love you, the house of God. Peace be within your walls, the house of God, within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. What am I reading about? I'm reading about somebody with wisdom that is saying, whatever you got to do, protect the cluster. Because it's in the cluster that you find prosperity. It's in the cluster that you find peace. And some of you ain't had peace since your mom died. Some of you ain't had peace since that car accident. Some of you haven't had peace since you were molested when you were 11 years old. And you may not find it until you get connected with the cluster. And once you connect with the cluster, you've got to understand that it's because of the cluster that you will live your life, that you will seek to do good, David said. But see, this is the place, the Bible says, the house of God, what it actually means there. It's the place where the fellowship is complete. Basically, it's this. Whatever you need is found in the fellowship of the saints, connecting with the saints. Whatever you need. Look around the room right now. Just don't be creepy about it either. But look around the room. Don't lock eyes with nobody. I know some of y'all. Some of y'all looking for, looking for a friend. Amen. <laughs> but just look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. Okay? What is it saying here? It's saying that the fellowship is complete. What you need could very well be in the life of somebody else in this room. The house of God provides that. The house of God provides that. If you need a job, might be somebody in here that could need somebody like you at their place of work. If you need money, then it could be somebody here that needs to give it to you. If you, whatever it is you need, you need a shoulder to cry on. There might be one here. If you need a man, we might be a man. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you need a woman, ha, there might be a woman. I'm just saying. Some of y'all, amen, pastor. Yes, I receive that. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. That's okay. That's where I found my wife. I found my wife. Listen, so the place where fellowship is complete is the house of God. So what you need could very well be locked up in the fellowship of the, of the, of the, of the cluster. But here's the problem. You're too busy to fellowship. 
Here's the problem. You're too proud to fellowship. Oh, no, I ain't. Here's how you know you're proud. If every conversation you leave, every new person you meet, you have something negative to say about them, you're too proud. Because you think something's wrong with everybody else. But usually what's happened, when something's wrong with everybody, something's usually wrong with you. So when you can't say nice things about new people you meet, and the minute you walk away, you get in your car, so you say, did you see that couple? Yeah, they was crazy. No, you really the crazy one. You was, you, was, you was sensing your own crazy, and you projected it on them. Yeah, I just didn't like the way this person said that. Uh, that was fake. No, listen, that's you. You're fake. If you, the way you see people is a projection of what you see in yourself. And you know what? That'll keep you from connecting to the cluster. Listen, we do things on purpose at this church. We have a propel group. You want to know why? So women can connect to each other because the new wine is found in the cluster. But you'll get on Facebook and you'll complain about your life. You'll be so lonely. I can't do nothing. No, 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 no. That's how you sound. But if I could just get you to connect to the cluster, the new wine will flow. And you know what? It ain't going to flow through the speaker. It'll flow through the lady sitting next to you. Flow through the person in front of you. But I can't get some of y'all to connect to nothing. Especially the men. Oh, come on, somebody. Women will come out. Women, they, you know, we do one sisterhood and you get 200 women in here. Happy to come, too. Not all angry either. They come in, hey, come on. It's all decorated and stuff. It's all nice, smells good, food's cooking, all that kind of stuff. We throw a barbecue and we get half the dudes to show up. See, because you don't know the new wine's found in the cluster. You're still all up in yourself. Well, well, the game's on. TiVo it. DVR it. Well, you know, I just don't feel. You don't get it. You don't get it. And until you get it, your life won't change. The new wine is found in the cluster. We have discipleship groups. Get involved in one. We have the front back table back there. Sign up. Get involved in a department. Get around the cluster. Some of y'all won't do it. That's okay. We still love you. We ain't mad at you. Keep coming. But I'm telling you this. Until you understand the new wine flows from the cluster, you got to connect to that cluster. And sitting here listening to a message is not connection. You got to participate. Tell the other person on on the other side, you got to participate. It's important. Let me finish this up in five minutes here. It's important. And guess what? Satan knows it's important. So that's why, and I've said this before, we're in a time uh, that I'm calling the de-churchification of a generation. There are people right now watching church online instead of coming to church. There are people you tell, oh, you're a Christian? Yeah, I go, where do you go to church? Oh, I stay at home in bed and I watch it online. Well, that's a good way to get a word. But it ain't a good way to connect to a cluster. You'll get fed. You'll get some understanding. But you won't get the new wine sitting there watching it on your Internet. Come on, somebody. Are you with me today? But we've got people now that don't believe in church. We've got people who have made a doctrine. Well, I serve God. I just don't go to church. Barna did a poll, and they said this, that 80% of Christians in America only go to church twice a month. You know what that tells me? They got no revelation. They don't understand. This is why we ain't winning our nation. This is why our nation's in a mess. This is why communities aren't changing. This is why divorce is just as high, because people don't understand the new wine is found in the cluster. 
And so they stay away from it. They'll go once, twice. If there's not a game on, they'll be there. If nobody's throwing a party the night before, they'll come to church. But see, once you get a revelation of the cluster, you can't wait to get back there. Because you don't know how, you don't know what the reason is, but you feel different when you leave here on Sundays. You got more pep in your step. Your Monday's better. Your Tuesday's better because you connected to the cluster. You want to see the healthiest people in any church? It's the people that are serving. People that are serving. People that have connected in some small way to the cluster. But see, here's the thing. Now, this is what I want you to get. If you don't get anything else, you've got to value the cluster. You've got to value it. People talk so bad about their churches, it's pathetic. If you're going to talk bad about us, don't come back. Go find another one. If you can't hack it, get your jacket. <laughs> Listen, we don't want people to leave, but seriously, why cause division and talk bad about this cluster? I value this cluster because the new wine is found in the cluster. So don't be talking about my wine. Don't be talking about my storehouse. Get on out of here. Go, go, go find another place. Go find somewhere you could get down with how they're serving the wine and what they're doing. But if you're going to sit here and, and, and not value this thing, I'm sorry for you. You don't get the revelation. We've got to value the gathering. That means this. So many of us in this room, we, our life revolves around Sundays in many ways. And that's a good thing. Why? Because we value. We got to connect. We got to get together. We've, I, I need the new wine. I got to connect to this thing because it is the place the Bible tells me the new wine is found in. But others of us that love God, you serve God, you just don't commit to it. You're committing to the wrong things. Let go of those things and connect to the cluster. Are you with me today? Amen? Let me, let, me, let me read you this, Psalms 92. I said this earlier, verse 13 and 14. It says this, Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still, still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Amen? Not old and dried up and ugly. No, it's supposed to be fresh, flourishing. It's supposed to be when you say, how old are you? They say, what? Dang, you look good. How what you doing? I got connected to the cluster. <laughs> Let me leave you with a few things. Uh, where's Eddie? Come on up. We got to connect. We got to connect. We got to run from divisiveness. And here's the other thing. We got to value the cluster. We got to value it. Think about this, husbands. How do you value your wife? Or do you value her? You know how I value my wife? I buy her things. She feels so good when I buy her things. She does. Sometimes when she's not doing so good, I'm like, oh, it's time to buy her things. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but that's a, that's a way we place value. You know what else? How else you place value? Your words. Your words. Your words. Your words. That expresses value. We don't know how to value the church yet. 
And some of you still questioning if you should because you're listening to your, your, your messed up Theo and your Thea and, oh, they're mad because I left the Catholic church and they're mad because our church is not church of God and all that. Listen, look at the fruit of their life. If they're mad that you're serving God because you're not doing it in their place, something's wrong with them. Because, man, if somebody's serving God, I don't care where they're doing it, good job, go for it, get yours. But if they're going to talk about you because you come to Elevate Life Church, they need to get a heart check. They need to, they need to check themselves because that's dumb. You know, when I, man, I mean, we got, I heard so many people, oh, my, my family's mad because I don't go to the church they go to anymore. Really? But they wasn't mad when you was in the bar every Friday night. They wasn't mad when you was taking shots at the family reunion with them, were they? But now that you want to clean up, and now that you want to do something good and raise your kids in a good environment and stop dating losers, they got something to say. I'm just going to let that marinate like some carne asada, some pastor right over here. Let that soak in. See, we've got to look at things for what they are. We've got to begin to value the cluster. My question for you as we close is this. How do you value the cluster you're a part of? And maybe you're visiting us and you don't go to this cluster. Well, do you value your cluster? Do you speak right of it? Oh, here's a big one. Do you give to it? My God, do you, do you sow into it? Are you a tither? First of all, have you got that test thing worked out? You know what would happen if we got this revelation in every member of this house that tithing is not an option, tithing is not a thing of, oh, well, if I have it left over, I'll give. I could just get everybody valuing the house of God, the cluster. You know what would begin to happen? New wine will flow. It will flow. Now listen, hear me now. I get here 10 o'clock. Half the church is full. I look back, 1020. Smile at me now. Smile at me. Here I come. And it's filled up. And I'm thinking to myself, don't they know they're missing the most valuable part of the service? Don't they know how rude it is to God to go to his house? but not get there for the praise and the worship and the offering time and the lifting of my hands time. You know what, man, that is, that is just, that's, that's sad. Oh, pastor, but you know, this happened and that happened. Listen, we're all going to have Sundays where that happens. Come on, smile at me now. We're all going to have Sundays where that comes in. But some of y'all, you approaching the cluster way wrong. You're the last ones in, first ones to leave. You could be in the cluster, but not of the cluster. You're getting around the cluster, but you ain't drinking from the cluster. And I'm only saying this because, see, I got to believe that the reason that is, is because you just don't have a revelation of what's going on here. You're still coming from an old school church mindset. I come in, I do my deal, I I, I say my prayer, and then I go live however the heck I want to live. That's not how this thing works. Matter of fact, that's not how that thing works. It doesn't work. Tried it, did that, bought the shirt. But the way this thing works is through revelation. 
Get an understanding of why I come to church. Be wise, not a fool. See, a fool just kind of comes in late. Here's the word. Oh, that was good. I'm going to go home. That's a fool. But the wise have revelation. They honor the cluster. They value the cluster. The new wine flows in them. Listen, if you ain't going to do it for yourself, do it for this neighborhood. Do it for your cousin that's in jail right now. Do it for that one that you keep telling, bring, come to church, come to church. Listen, they got to see something better here than they see out there. They got to see some, They got to see life here. They got to see more life here than they see out there before they're coming. And you know what? A lot of churches, you don't see that life. Let's stand on our feet. Everybody say this. The new wine is found in the cluster. Close your eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, take this word. Begin to realign people's lives to understanding the missing ingredient is connection. Begin to show people, Lord God, that they're sabotaging their own lives by continuing to cut themselves off from the right people. Some of you in here have cut yourselves off from the right people for too long people come into your life that love you, care about you, and you cut them off. You find something wrong with them or you blame them for something. Today that ends. Lord, show people the cluster that you've placed in their life and show them how to honor it. Show them how to build it. If if, if God has called this place to be your cluster, honor it. Watch your words that you speak against it. Give to it. So to it with gladness. But when people say, why do you give that church? That's my cluster. That's where my new wine comes from. Why wouldn't I? Father, I just pray that this word would resonate, would echo, and would bear fruit in every person's life. And if you're here today, maybe you've been cut off. Maybe you ain't been in church in a long time. You don't have a cluster. You're clustered to things that aren't godly. Listen, this is your morning. This is your day. Nobody's going to judge you. That was all of us. We all at one time, like Paul said earlier, we were blind, searching, but couldn't see. And this morning, God's brought you here. And this is your moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for the sake of privacy, just so you can sort this out if you need to respond to this. If you're here and you say, man, I need to get connected to the cluster. I've been away from God. I haven't been in his presence. I haven't been a part of his family. He's calling you today. He's inviting you today. Matter of fact, he had me preach this for you today. And remember, be careful about this decision because, see, this is affecting more than you. What would have happened if Ariel would have never connected to the cluster? We wouldn't have got to meet her friends. She wouldn't have been able to bring in her mom. See, there's other people connected to your decision you're here today and you say, man, I need to get my life right with God today. He's not mad at you. He's waiting for you. If that's you, I want you to just slip up a hand. Just slip up a hand right where you're at. I want to pray with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I see that. I see that. I'm going to ask you to do one more bold thing. Make a step. Make a declaration. I want you to come right down here to the front so we can pray with you. Do it bold. You got nothing to be ashamed of. You got nothing to think about. Come on, don't listen to that second voice. If you raise your hand, just come on down here right now. Let's give them a good hand as they come. 
we're connected.